so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello and welcome back to the Marseille View. My name's Stefan, I hope you're all well. We've got a bit of a special edition pod tonight, so it's the annual TMV Awards, the Marseille View Awards, so we'll review the performance of the last season. Um, so as you'll know, the league and season sort of ended prematurely, so we're now in a position to sort of look back and, and think about, reflect on what, what's happened over the last, you know, six to seven, eight months, God knows how long it is now. For tonight's show, we're going to start off with a discussion about that season, giving our opinions, and then we'll make our way through the awards. And then finally, at the end, we'll try and cover some of the recent news stories around the club, notably around the developments and rumours of a potential sale. Um, now, before we get started, though, I just want to say hello to um, the gang tonight. So I've got some familiar faces here um, to chop it up with me. So I've got Ben. Are you all right, Ben? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you guys? Hope everyone's well. Good, thanks, yeah. And I've also got Mo. How are you, Mo? Hello, everyone. Um, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Good to have you back. And um, finally, we've got Ed. How are things, Ed? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm good, thank you. How are you, Steph? Very well, thank you. Right, so I think, firstly, um, just I think we'll have to discuss the fact that the league and season came to a close early, so... Obviously, you know, we've discussed this in the pod in recent episodes about what we thought was going to happen um, with the with coronavirus and, and suspending the season since March. Now, after, I think it was in the last couple of weeks, sorry, we've seen the announcement from the French government that there wouldn't be any more sporting events until, I think, early September. And the league quickly made the decision then to end the season. And then they released their final standings. Um, I think the following day. So we've seen that Marseille um, were placed second place and I believe it was based on points per game. Um, now that sends Marseille directly into the Champions League spots for the first time and correct me if I'm wrong guys, but I think it's about six years. Um, how are you feeling about this? Pleased that it's come to this? Who wants to go well, first? I, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same one. Um, yeah, I guess it's... Uh, when you look at the, the well, the just the situation as a whole, you know, the the, um, the virus, the epidemic, how many deaths it's claimed and how many lives it's claimed, it's 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 the sensible decision because let's face it, even though Germany and other leagues are considering restarting, empty stadiums, potentially players with face masks, not not um, they can't form walls or they can't have too much close contact when they celebrate goals and stuff. There's already a lot of contradiction in there because when you're a defender, you've got to be marking your strikers. So I'm very curious and and a bit worried and baffled that some leagues are going to resume in these conditions because it's going to be farcical. Um, So I think looking at it from a a neutral point of view, 
Holland have done the same. They've ended their league. I think it's the safest thing to do. And now clubs can get on with next season and planning and stuff. And then obviously from a, an OM selfish point of view, we're back in the Champions League and it's it's very good for us because we, we were looking like we had a rough run of games coming up and we might have lost second place. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, I personally agree with you, but it's been a controversial move. And, you know, we've seen lots of people like um, Jean-Michel Olas been very vocal about it, um, saying that it was a wrong decision um, and announcing that they were going to take legal action against the league um, for making that choice. Um, Mo, do you think it was the right decision to end the season like this? I think, well, the way I see it, I think it's, 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 it's a moot point because obviously it's, you know, people outside of, sort of this sphere think that it's the league's decision that's, that's curtailed the year. Um, which is not true. Obviously, it's the government who, you know, in, in a bit of a surprise move, just cancelled the whole thing altogether, specifically saying that the 2019 seasons won't be able to continue and football in general won't be able to continue, you know, with fans or whatever till August, September-ish. And the idea is that, you know, no one's going to sort of bank at this stage in playing games in September, October. So using those guidelines, what, what are you to do? You know, if, if the government specifically prohibited and, and you know, put forward sort of words that they don't see the 2019-20 season going ahead, you've got no choice but to classify the standings as they are. And I think the league, what they've handled since since that decision on the 30th has, has been correct. Obviously, whether you like it or not, whether where you are in standings, you can't really begrudge them too much like like Ben said you know people are dying you need to have a look at the bigger picture and sort of I've been very vocal um, in the way sort of Leon have been um, you know very angsty very um, sort of troublesome when it comes to challenging the result whereas you know had they been in third had had this happened in 2019 where they were at this stage after 28 games just three points ahead of us we would have had you know we would have been pissed but I think we would have accepted it um, because there's not much that you can do, you know. Um, and they probably they wouldn't have been kicking the bus. And everyone, I think, is in for their own interests, which I absolutely understand, especially when you're about to be relegated. That I can really understand because obviously it's the livelihoods of people at stake and and sort of the general trajectory of the club. But where when you're sort of fighting for, for money, which is what you're doing by prolonging the season, you're seeking to get you know extra money or, or, or money that w- should have because the money that should have come from the broadcasters is being met by the government um, for now. Um, so you're looking to make at least, you know, extra money and then trying to get extra money for next year by somehow forging a backdoor into European competition, which I, I personally find reprehensible. Um, you know, the perfect thing, the perfect thing would have been that, you know, leagues um, should have finished right till the end of the year. Uh, or just, you know, in conclusion, I think if everybody was in unison to finish whenever we finish and align ourselves to 2022, that would have been great. But that's not the case. So with the picture we have today, cancelling it's fine. And obviously we are, for once, <laughs> the, the beneficiaries of it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, OK, um, Ed, what about you? What are your thoughts on this matter? Well... In my view, it, the decision would be would would never please anybody. It would never please if they avoid it. We wouldn't be ha- lots of clubs would be like, hang on, a minute, this ain't correct. Or there would be a lot of clubs 
perhaps if we do like now, like Leon would say, well, hang on a minute, you're not helping us. You're basically, I think it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, I feel sorry for like Amian, who, who are also put in legal action, who were a few points off and could have got to that relegation playoff. They could have easily made it. But unfortunately, well, what are you supposed to do? If the government says you can't play, you can't play. End off. It's not like you can. we can transport all these players and move them to another country where they can play in neutral venues because the country would not allow us in. I mean, of course, selfishly, I'm, I'm pleased that we're in. I'm pleased we're in for the Champions League for the first time in seven years and Leon haven't got anything. But you have to look at it logistically. It's not, no one wanted it to finish like this. I wanted us to go to the Champions League, do it on merit, not because we were in the right place at the right time. That's, that's, that's because of my, my views. I mean, obviously, leagues like Germany are, considering, are going to start next week. Italy want to finish. The Premier League is going to go ahead, I think. The Spanish League probably will do the same thing. But unfortunately, is it worth risking another pandemic? You know, what happens Exactly. If- no, I, I, I think, sorry, if I could just come in there. Yeah, I think go that's ahead. A really, really good, that's a really good point that you've raised. That, um, you know, you've got other leagues that start in ball, which could, on paper, make France look really, really bad. Um, but then all it takes is just one player to get infected and the whole thing comes down again. Yeah, exactly. In New York, you've seen the, uh, the some of the Bundesliga players have tested positive for Corona. There's been a, uh, a Granada player tested positive for it. So it's a real it's a real dicey decision to make. And unfortunately, for clubs like Amian and for the clubs in the promotion spots in Ligue 2, they've been robbed. But... You have to just—it's unfortunate. Leads out of everyone's hands, so everyone has to suck it up. Okay, um, no interesting points. Um, I think um, you you made a point actually, Ed. That I think um, is worth sort of touching upon a bit further is that because we all sound a bit sombre about this, but we should also—I mean, I'm guessing we're all so really pleased that we got in the Champions League, you know. So there is a kind of. Um, there is grounds for celebration, even if it's not the way that we wanted to do it, I guess, um, is what I'd have to say. But yeah, I think I agree with you guys that, um, you know, even if other leagues start um, resuming their seasons, it's looking a bit complicated, you know. And, you, you know, as you said, that, Ed, that there's players testing positive. I think in Italy, quite a lot of players in the last few days have tested positive um, from what I saw online. So you got to wonder, like, are they, can he, are they going to really go through with this? And, you know, as we imagine, like, the experts are saying that this disease is going to kind of have peaks and, um, you know, further sort of outbreaks. So we can anticipate that if seasons restart, they're going to get stopped again. And I think, you know, and I'm being very pessimistic here, but I think that, um, I think it's optimistic to think that there's going to be any football or at least any chance of regular football this year I, I think I could see it kind of getting pushed back and pushed back in the end when it's seen that if there are you know more spikes in this disease but we'll see let's hope not and let's hope that things go back to normal um, yeah and no, I just think obviously looking to the future I mean I see why because obviously we're coming out the first stage now you know thankfully um, and the reason why maybe it's been bad is because obviously it's taken everyone by surprise and everyone's sort of rallying around and hopefully you know the picture in august is going to be 
a bit better. And I think the way that sort of Germany are in the situation they're in is because they managed it very, very well. And, you know, like places like, you know, the other four European countries, the US, for example, have been more severely affected. Therefore, football is really, really down. Um, but as you saw yesterday, you know, South Korea have begun their league uh, and it seemed to be uh, you know, relatively successful for the first couple of matches. Um, so I can see a situation where, you know, football will begin behind closed doors and t- for the for the foreseeable. Um, even during the winter, especially then, you know, you've got many, many months to put the parameters in place. You know, are you going to have a biosecure training facility? Um you know, are you going to restrict, you know, to test regularly these players, having the infrastructure in place to enable football to be played? You can't do that in like four weeks. We all assumed after 30 days, the league would just restart, um, you know, because we'd, we'd manage and that's not the case. So I'm just hoping, you know, and in any case, that's why I really don't see the clamour to just, be, you know, start football ASAP, um, like the Premier League and, and, and other leagues, because, you know, it's, it's going to be written off. There's lots there's there's a lot to risk at the moment, especially when for some people, you know, they're still right in the middle of it. Um so let's just aim for August. Let's let's, you know, do the you know, let's let's save the next season and let's manage next season as best as we can. Actually that's just got me thinking about my next question. Um so we've seen that the you know, the financial impact to this um coronavirus and we're hearing discussions about that on football clubs, you know, we saw that the, we talked about this issue with um, TV companies um, and Ligue 1 um, refu- refusing to pay the remaining money for the rest of the season. You know, we've learned that in, in the last week that the French government is going to loan the league money to cover the costs of lost TV money to the individual clubs. However, do you still anticipate that this is going to have a damaging impact on the finances of Marseille? But yeah, it will. I mean, uh, guys, I think look, TV money. We talk about the TV money, but for a club like ours, um, again, it's it's still in touch with the previous point. But um, am I the only one who doesn't want to see football return until it's back to the way it was? Because quite frankly, especially for us, for Marseille, behind closed doors, it's going to be extremely extremely negative for us because we lose the gate receipts which are quite quite big every match day it's like two or three million euros every match day we lose our home advantage all our fans and the atmosphere and the pressure especially in the Champions League it's going to create so yeah I think it's not just the fact that the, the TV money yes okay the government are covering it with with a very low interest loan or whatever and that's the league's problem it's not the club's problem that's the league's problem and what's going to happen now is we're going to see a lengthy legal battle with Keno Plus and being Sport to recoup at least a large percentage of that money. And I think everybody's just playing the waiting game and buying time before they actually have to pay up. Because me, the, the thing with Canal and BN is they know they're in a position of, of strength because they're both losing the broadcast rights next season. So nothing obliges them to fix this, to maintain good relationships for next season. So it's it's necessary. We do need that money. And, and Marseille, we know that the thing is, in the meantime, we still would have had the deficit anyway. Maybe that deficit is going to be bigger for some time until that, that loan does come through, whenever it's supposed to come through. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just to, to to help with the operating costs, isn't it? Because salaries still have to be paid during this time. And sponsors and um, sort of partnerships and um, staff. So 
it's it's a difficult difficult topic to look at from our point of view because the the, the short term impact is it means that we may now have to sell an extra player to recoup some of that money if it doesn't come through in the short term. And that's going to have a negative impact on our squad quality. What about you guys? Um, What do you think? Any thoughts? I think everyone's in the same boat, really. If I'm being honest, it's not just us. It's like Leon, Leo, uh, Nice. I think everyone will be in the same boat. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to sell number two or three players, but so will probably everyone else. I think... The situation is because Canal and Bian are saying, well, we're not paying because they're not going to be televising the league on, which I think is really a bit of a selfish decision, in my opinion, because go out with at least a bit of dignity. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that money's not going to, that money is going to be needed and needed quick. And it's not just going to be us who are going to need money and going to have to sell players to coop up some of the losses uh, generated by the fact we can't sell tickets, can't really sell merchandise because people will not be having as much money. You know, League Dirt clubs are going to be in real trouble uh, with the financial situation due to the fact that they won't have anything. So everything will be in trouble. I think every club in the top two divisions will be in trouble and we'll have to sell extra players. The only club which I can see that are going to be well off are going to be PSG. And I think they too might be in a little... They're going to have to cut a few cuts, cost maybe wages possibly, but... It's worrying because we're going into the Champions League, first time in seven years. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. And if we don't have a good enough squad, we're going to be out within four games. End of story. So we've got to play our cards right, I think. We've got to look at who's the best value and who can we easily replace. If we don't have a player that we can easily replace, then it might be the case we might have to go out in Europa. We'll see. We need to see what if this money's coming in. That's the first and most important uh, matter. Yeah, I think I think the main hypocrisy from from this debate is they're withholding the money, the broadcasters, but they're still charging the, the average Joe for the, the the subscriptions. So I don't see how that goes hand in hand. Where they're saying, "Oh, we can't deliver a product, etc." Where well, whereas you and I and, and anybody else who pays. Sky Sports or who pays BT Sport or in France who pays Canal Plus and BN Sports should be saying the same thing. But are we going to get money back? Are we going to get a, a discount on our bill? Hell no. So I, I don't see where they're actually where their hardship is, to be honest. Okay, right. Um, I think I've got one last question, I think, before we move on. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll direct this one at more um, if you didn't get a chance to speak there. Do you think that Marseille would have made I'm just thinking about the performance, sorry, looking back at the actual season. How pleased are we with Marseille's performance this year? And do you think that Marseille would have made the Champions League if the season had resumed? Um, yeah, no, I think without a shadow of a doubt, I think we would have 100% qualified. I, barring, barring a, a major sort of fail, um, and probably, you know, had we continued to play on during a pandemic, this might have classified under that. Um, you know, things might have gone all right. But I think, you know, you have to realise we were at the season's close, 15 points from Champions League football. That's five out of 10 games. There are 10 games left. Five games, five home games, five wins. Or, or you know, discounting PSG and, you know, four home games and one away win against either 
you know, like someone like Brest or some something, you know, there's absolutely no way that we were, you know, very, very close to the finish line. Obviously, I can't speak to whether we would finish second, uh, but to qualify for the Champions League, I think that was almost a foregone conclusion. I think all the simulations as well uh, done by the likes of Opta, you know, L'Equipe and, and other media of how the season would have gone had OM, you know, at that point, you know, we, for us, we've been very consistent throughout the whole year. There were no, you know, you know, obviously there was a fantastic run of form in in um, in November, but the signs of that, the fact that we were going to have a decent season, came as early as September, and even through some tricky moments, um, we still, you know, managed to rally. We did very well against the rivals. We did very well against the top half. You know, I think the only team that we didn't beat. Um, over over the course of two games, um, had been Amiens and Nantes, which you know we probably should have. Um, so I think you know we have to be still very very pleased. You know, no one is saying you know Marseille are very lucky you know, that the season finished now because they would have, you know, they would have suffered. Um, you know, that's not the case. You know, I think that was a very very good you know as 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 a foregone conclusion as you would find. Um, yeah. Okay, right, Brown, what about you guys? Have you got any thoughts on this? Like, how do you think um, Marseille's season went? Do you think it was one to um, remember as, um, well, uh, positively, I guess? Well, it goes, it's one of our, you know, in the league, certainly, it's our best season in, in a bloody long time. Um, yes, we, I think we've said it throughout the year on this podcast, that yes, it resembles a bit the, the, the Illy Bup Marseille, which was win at all costs and it doesn't need to be pretty and we, we've grounded out a lot of 1-0 wins and a lot of away wins especially um, but I've, I think when, when you look back at the last five years this is this was the first season in a long time we've beat our, our top rivals which is Monaco, Lyon, Rennes and Lille um, and Bordeaux although we drew there yet again we should have won there this year but we didn't put in the performance but yeah we we, we performed very well against all teams except PSG um, and we've won away against uh, critical times in the season we won at Rennes we won at Lille um, we won away to Angers which is when we got hold of second place and we've not left second place since then so you, you can't really fault the league for any, any anybody like the statisticians who have awarded us second place based on form because yes as Mo says there weren't that many games left and yeah we, we would probably have lost points away to Montpellier and at home to PSG or, or gotten a draw or whatever and who knows maybe we would have won 1-0 at Montpellier because everybody shot us down when we were going away to Rennes and Lille so I think it's just one of those seasons where on the contrary to last season when we, were, we, we debriefed the previous game and look at the next game and all predict a draw or a defeat this season, you, you could actually feel confident that, especially on that November, December, January, beginning of February period, we were unbeaten for over 20 games. Oh, sorry, for almost 20 games. And that, you know, if you're not a good team, you just don't achieve that. And we have to remember that. Can I go? Um, yeah, I'm pretty confident that you were pleased with the season because I know that your attitude in the pod this season was much more positive than the previous year. <laughs> Yeah, it, ha- it has. Um, I can remember at the start of the season, though, I thought, oh, God, here we go again. After we lost 1-0 to Rems, um, I can remember everyone in the chat was very despondent and disgusted. But I have a reason to smile when I watch football now. I have a reason to think, 
oh god here we go again we're gonna lose or look like mugs um we've played well we've we've signed well we've done well throughout we've showed a bit of passion a bit of flair that we were missing last year we were inches away from getting that last year but we didn't have it you know the win against leon the win against bordeaux the the late win against Rans, you know, the double over Nice, it was it was incredible. It was just absolutely amazing to watch. The only time I can say that I wasn't happy with the performance was against PSG, which lost 4-0, and I, well, I thought it was a pretty piss-poor performance. And the game against Nantes, which, I mean, we can look back on it now, and I think we can probably laugh about it. In fact, Benedetto missed that penalty, and we're all going berserk. Um, you know, we played... Venus uh, Bars has brought something to the club, which I think that he's done well with at clubs like Zenit. He's brought that bit of magic. Of, he's not one of those typical coaches like say train for a couple of hours and then you can bugger off and do what you like. That was what Rudy Garcia was doing. You know, I, I, in case I don't think any of you were there saw the training. I saw them train firsthand, and Venus Bars was working hard, and I think he's done that all season long. And that's shown in our performances. They work hard. They chase after every ball. They go for it. They don't concede silly mistakes. You know, it's been wonderful seeing these players who we said last year were useless, overweight, didn't deserve to be at the club anymore, actually surprise us and produce magical performances. Like, for example, Steve. I mean, I can remember last season we said he was like a beach whale. This season he's been like the old phenomenon which kept us in the league in 15-16 so it's a season to be proud of it's a season which I think we could have completed on merit but at the moment moment, looking at it you know I think we have a lot to be proud of and a lot to be satisfied and you've got to give credit to every one of those players and all of AVB staff who have done the good work so you've got to give them credit you've got to give every one of them credit and say you've done well you've done well we deserve to be in the Champions League no one can doubt that we didn't deserve to be in there. We were up there. Once we got on the run, we were there. And we were catching PSG in midpoints of the season. Obviously, PSG went, had that extra gear that we didn't have. But I think there's a lot to be proud of and a lot to be, a lot to be happy about coming into 2020, 2021. Thank you. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Luca feels about the season, you know, given we know how his opinions on Villas Boas have been throughout the year. So I wonder <laughs> if he's changed his views. But yeah, um, Ed, That's actually. probably why he's gone quiet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but um, Ed, actually, um, just thinking about that, but giving him credit is a good way to lead on to, you know, our next section. So we were, as we said, at the start, we're going to go through our awards, our annual awards. I say annual, but we've only existed for about 18 months, so it's for the second season running, but we've we decided to dish out some awards at the end of the season, um, just as a kind of bit of a fun activity. So we've got about eight awards, I think, to do this, this year, so a little bit more than we did last year. Um, and I put out some polls as well on Twitter um, for some of them, just to get some ideas from the listeners. Um, I think what we'll do, though, is that we'll go through each one and I'll ask you all to you know, discuss your selection and very briefly say why. Um, and then we'll, I'll, I will mention if we did do a public poll as well, what the response to that was. And then we'll kind of make decisions just sort of based on consensus, I think, from that and select select a winner for each one if, we, if it's not a 
if it's not apparent that we've all chosen the same ones. Um, so yeah, um, I've given them all silly names as well this year, just to give it a bit, of, a bit more fun. Um, okay, so I think we're going to start off with the first one, which is the award titled the Ballon d'Azur for Best Player. <laughs> um, and I'm going to pick you guys, you know, individually to talk, so um, so that everyone, you know, gets a, a chance to to comment and you know they're not left last every time so this i'll pick ben you first for this one um who do you think deserves the ballon d'azur and that's the best player award player of the season um i'll go short and sweet i i think for me mondanda payet a very close second but mondanda for me just because he's been consistent he's come back from miles behind when as, as ed said he, he he had physical issues last year and concentration issues he's, he's just been unbelievable this season at, at critical points in games whether it's against Ren in, in our home game at the Velodrome or uh, when he pulled off an amazing double save or whether it's recently when we were away to Nîmes and we were leading 2-1 uh, just after half time and, and Nîmes were basically mounting a siege of our goal and, and he pulled off three or four saves that could very that should have been goals in my eyes I mean they were just amazing reflex on these line saves that put the ball out for a corner and Without those saves and those key moments in games where we we have been um, guilty of falling asleep and, and inviting opposition pressure, without him between the, the sticks to sort of relieve the defence and let us ride out that pressure and that storm, we would not have had as many points this season. So he's my pick. What about you, Mo? Who did you pick for player of the season? <laughs> um, I mean, the top two, I think, are very clear. So I'm just going to be, you know, Go the opposite way and pick Payet. Um, obviously, Mandanda has been excellent, um, but you know there've been times where, you know, against you know, teams like uh, Dijon, you know, for example, where you know when playing lower league teams, Mandanda's role isn't really that um, important. I mean, obviously, he's made some excellent saves, but you know, I think in in games where you're not really troubled by the opposition, you still need that offensive. Uh, input just to unlock games and turn you know draws to wins etc and I think for that regard Pyatt's been you know excellent especially in you know you know getting points um on his own um you know so the Leon game is a clear highlight um he's he's been the the most creative person offensive person on the team you know most goals and assists together um but yeah they are yeah, you know, they're both amazing. They both had fantastic seasons, and like like Ben said, they've both come back from from the brink, so to speak. So, Ed, what about you? Who did you pick for Player of the Season? Well, I'm going to be a little boring. I'm going to say Steve. Um, he's just so much better than last year. It's he's improved. He's actually wanted to improve, which is good, and he's kept us in so many games. If we didn't have it, we would have lost, and we probably wouldn't even made Europa. So, you've got to give him uh, a lot of credit. A lot of credit for trying hard, a lot of credit for those saves, a lot of credit for keeping us in games. He's done a good job. Uh, second would be Dimitri. Uh, another one who's come back from a little bit too much uh, chocolate and has done a really good job in getting the creative spark that we missed last year. And I thought he played really well uh, throughout. He, put, he, he was superb to watch. He was like the old Payet that we wanted back from West Ham, the one who got France that three points against Romania. He was the one who was the one who was going to drag us. And then I have to say for third, I'd have to say Alvaro Gonzalez. 
Uh, when he arrived, we didn't know who he was. We thought, oh, here we go, another incompetent defender. But he's done great. He's been the man who has kept us safe. He's helped Steve out. He's helped Steve Kate. Oh, he doesn't have to worry about it. He's a brilliant defender. You know, he gets the balls out. He doesn't mess around. doesn't do little stupid dances like some of the other defenders did last season. So, I, I think, for me, he's definitely third. But Steve is the one. El Phenomeno is back. Okay, brilliant. Um, I am going to have to agree with you guys, actually, and say Mandonda um, deserves to be player of the season because I think that he... He was just fantastic. And if you think about how poor he was last year, I think we did we possibly vote him as the worst player last year? I can't quite remember. I think we may have done. He was pretty catastrophic at times last season. And this year, he was just a man reborn. So, um, yeah, it was just brilliant to see him get back to his best. And he saved us so many points just by pulling off some spectacular saves. So I think we've got him to thank. I do recognise that Pyatt had a great season as well, but I don't think his season was, you know, I don't I, I don't think he was close to Mondanda personally. I will point out though that we put a poll out for this one, um, and the the listeners did vote Pyatt as player of the season, not Mondanda. Mondanda was second. Um, so based on that, I think that's about. Still three against two, so I think that we should hand it to Mondonda. He's the Ballon d'Azur. Okay. Um, no complaints with that, no. So in that case, I'll move on to the next one, <laughs> award number two. I'm just going to edit you out anyway if you complain. <laughs> but um, the, the second one is, um, so the Marseille's Got Talent Award, so that's the award for the best young player. Um, I'm going to pick... Ed, do you want to go first and tell us who you think is was the best young player this season? Uh, well, it's a short and sweet one. It's Kamara. This man has shown that he has all the talent of a world-class defender. I think the likes which have not been seen since Marcel Desailly was playing for us. He controls defence. He helps Coletta Carr out. He does a lot of good work. And is it any wonder why big clubs want him so badly? You know, City are interested in him. He's on the fringe of the French squad. And I think he will be in the French squad for Euro 2021, barring any injuries. He's been a fantastic little asset. And he's improved on what he learnt last year. For me, there's a lot of good young players at Marseille. But for me, he is the flag for all the young players out there at this club. And I think he deserves it, hands down. No question. If he goes, he goes in the summer. That's the thing. But we can build this team around him if he stays. So for me, Bubakar Kamara, you're the one, mate. Brilliant. And I like the Desai comparison because I thought about that myself, actually, in, in recent months. Just And not necessarily that he is a very similar player to Desai, but I think there's some parallels in that. He's a player who is a defender, but is arguably playing his best football in midfield. And I think if you think about Desai when he, in his early days at AC Milan and he was moved into midfield and we really seen him blossom as a player, I just think, yeah. So And also just the fact that he's a young player at Marseille. So. I'll just say then while I'm speaking that my pick as well was Bubakar Kamara for this one. Um, although there are a few others that I think... Well, worth a mention, but I'll wait till you're finished before we can talk through them. So, secondly, um, sorry, after me, sorry, who I think I'll pick 
Mo, do you want to tell me who you picked for the best young player? I think for me, it's obviously no debate. Uh, it's, it's Kamara. Um, really, just for the reasons you guys have mentioned, he's matured so much um, this year. He's been, you know, very, very good performer. He's, you know, he's 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 improved as a player and his personality sort of on the pitch as well. Um, and obviously his versatility um, has been has been very key for us, especially now that we also have another two really good central defenders. So yeah, that's that's all I can add. Okay, and Ben, what about you? Who is the best young player of the season? Well, is, is there any other answer than Kamal? I mean, for, for the reasons you guys have all said, he, he he's he's blossomed in midfield. I think I, I, I'm pick on his attitude as well which has been outstanding you know he'd never complained about being changed position um he then got his head down he's he's blossomed in that position to to become one of the best in the league in that position and also he's showing leadership qualities which is you know, that's what we all hope for when when we have a player from the academy who's a local boy he he, he knows what the fans want he he understands the the, the expectation and He's he's been a standout performer, so no no debate, is there really? Right, and well, the listeners agreed as well because we put a poll out for that one, and I think eighty seven percent of the listeners picked Kamara. Although it's worth mentioning, Mali Ake, he 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 still got ten percent, so a few people did pick him, and surprisingly, which you'll laugh at this one if I can read it up, I think. Well, one point one percent picked Isaac Lehadji, so he did. He might out of three hundred and fifty votes, he definitely got what over thirty five votes. <laughs> so I, I thought that's, that was that's good. the banter vote, isn't it? Man? I think it might it's the be. Banter uh, vote. That's a good one. I think it might be. Um, okay, so um, we'll pick Bubakar Kamara. He gets the Marseille's Got Talent Award as the best young player of the season, and we'll um, move on to number three, which is. The Marseille Roulette, the most, um, and that is the best signing. So, who turned out to be the best gamble in the transfer market? Um, and I will pick Mo. Do you want to go first, Mo? Um, yeah, um, I think Ed mentioned this a couple of minutes ago. Um, Alvaro, for me, is is it's the best signing. Um, it didn't cost a lot. Nobody knew who he was. Sort of had a had a Hiroki Sakai twenty sixteen vibe. Um, about him in that he he came from a you know a, a team where he actually didn't perform that much. I mean, I I asked around to a couple of people I know who are sort of Spanish correspondents. I was like, who is this guy? Um, and they were like, he's you know third choice uh, Villarreal. Um, you know, were one of the worst defenders in, in in La Liga. You know, hasn't really improved the last couple of seasons. And I'm just thinking, well, we've obviously done that as as a cut price. Um, choice in the same way that Sakai joined from Hanover in 2016 when they when they were relegated, um, and obviously she's just it's just been fantastic. Not only I think it's taken up until the Nantes game in February where we lost with him in the side. Um, he lots of clean sheets really helped Chelatasar come along as well. Um, you know, and he's he's really taken to Marseille. Just you know, as you can see now during lockdown, he just he absolutely loves the club, loves the city, loves the fans. And he performs as well, and he's just amazing for someone that came initially on loan. It's going to cost you know, just a couple of million euro. It's been it's been fantastic. Um, I will pick Ben next. Ben, who do you think was the best signing of the season? 
Um, well, I, get, I agree. Alvaro Gonzalez, just just because of the impact he's had. Um, you look at our strength, um, our main strength from the main um, sort of commentary or analysis you associate with Marseille this season, and it it is the defensive strength and stability. And was it from early January to I think for nine or ten games we didn't concede a goal in twenty eight twenty twenty. So. Uh, you, we know who we can thank for that. It's, it's all of the defence, but him coming in as a character, not only as a, as a player that's, that's got 250 La Liga matches under his belt. Um, yeah, I think for all the reasons Mo said, he, he's got to be the one. But but notable mention for, for once, and it's quite rare that we have this situation at Marseille, all of our signings have, have been key first-team players and have performed admirably this season. So well done to all of them. Thank you. Great. Um, ben, what about you? Who do you think was the best signing of the season? Oh, uh, it's Ed, by the way. Um, <laughs> Sorry, did I not say Ed? <laughs> um, what did I say? One, you said Ben. Oh, I did I? Sorry. Uh, he just likes my opinion so much. He just he wanted me to go twice, but sorry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, that's no problem. Um, this was a tough one, actually, because we, all our signings were good. And... I really think that Nadetta was a fantastic signing for us from Boca, but I have to go for Alvaro Gonzalez. He's been the missing link in the defence that we've needed. Bear in mind, he wasn't really that much uh, influence or usage at Villarreal. He's come here, he's embraced the city, he's embraced the club, and he's played well. He's helped the young defenders out. So for me, I have to go Alvaro, and I hope he stays for a bit longer now. I really want to see him kick on and help get this club through the Champions League group stages, which is his next assignment, along with Kamara and Shatashar. Okay, um, I'm actually going to say something different from you guys. So I'm not going to pick Alvaro Gonzalez. I think he was a very good signing, especially given that he cost nothing. He came on loan. Um, And, yeah, he performed better than expected, I suppose. But I think that... His performances maybe weren't as strong in 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 the final games than they were before Christmas. Um, I think that as well. He let us down in a couple of big games. Um, get sent off, for example, um, against Lyon. Um, but he still was a very good signing. But no, I mean for me the the best signing was Valentin Rangier. I think Rangier, although again similar to Alvaro, I think his performances maybe. In the after Christmas, weren't the strongest before Christmas, but I think that his addition to the team really changed the dynamic in terms of the our ability to to control games in the midfield. His range of passing, his vision, you know, his attitude, um, I thought was just exactly the kind of new energy that we needed injected into our team, and I think he was a a, a real steal. Um, I think that um, Gonzalez, great signing for a year. I bet you next year, though, Gonzalez's performances aren't as strong. And I can I think he'll be a bit like a Julian Rodriguez with us. Someone who came in cheap, wasn't much, wasn't, much wasn't expected of him. And he did a really good, solid job initially. And then I think we'll see, you know, as next season folds, that, you know, he's a limited player at a, you know, coming towards the final the final years of his career, I think Rangier is someone that who can still get better with us. Um, you know, if he gets much better, I don't think he'll stay much longer. But I think that 
he um for me was the most important signing so I'll, I'll pick Rangier and I will point out as well that the um listeners also selected Rangier um with 51% of the vote um however I can accept when I'm outvoted so I think that as three all three of you picked Alvaro that's three against two then I think Alvaro Gonzalez is the Marseille Roulette Award. He is the best signing of the season. Okay, and that moves us on to number four, the Revenant, the most improved player of the season. So this is looking at basically who was rubbish last year and really came out this year with a bang. So I'm going to pick Ed. Do you want to go first? Ed, who do you think was the most improved player this season? Uh... Well, it's too easy to say that Dimitri or Steve. So I'm going to go for a bit of an upset here. Brandovic. Um, He didn't play all that much, but he was there for us when we needed the goals. And he was a fantastic player. Down the wing for us. He really showed his strength that we didn't see much last year when he came from Red Star. So he did a fantastic... He was fantastic for us in a number of ways. He helped put the icing on cakes and wins. He pushed down the week and he was super sub. He was a super substitute. When we came in at half time and we looked flat, he came in and brought that little bit of oomph that we we're missing. He should be a starter next season, if I'm being honest. If we lose a top player, then he should be the one. He's done, a, he's done well this season. He's put his head down. He's actually gone with the job. So for me, my most improved player this season is Nemanja Randjevic. If I got that his name right, you can correct me. Uh, you definitely don't have his name right, but and I will correct you. It's Radonjic. At least, I, at least that's Radonjic. My mistake. At least that's how I think it is, but I might be wrong. Um, yes. So, Ben, do you want to go next? Who is your most improved player of the season? Who's the revenue? <laughs> uh, well, ma- mainly because I, I, well, I've. I owe him an apology in a way, but I, I also maybe can take credit for his revival. Is Jordan Amavi? <laughs> um, I, I had a, I had a brief altercation with him in preseason, which was basically me sarcastically applauding him for for and standing up and shouting his name for successfully controlling the ball. Um, he That's kicked off a bit as well. Um, yeah, he kicked he kicked off a bit at me. Um, afterwards, when they were all doing photos and, and signing autographs, he, he kept his cool, but you, I, I could tell that the animosity was there. And all, all, all I want, all I said to him was, "Look, please have a good season. We're, we're all hoping that you guys do well, and we can count on you." And um, yeah, just I think he's he's been outstanding. I mean, he's actually scored. He's gotten one or two assists as well. But his we've we've not we've not seen him make those stupid amateurish mistakes like letting players go behind in his back. Um his tackling's been point on point. I think he's made a couple of decisive tackles that have got the crowd going at times. Um going forward he's been he's been excellent in some games, um really getting past his man and tracking back afterwards more importantly. So for me it's it's MOV because he was dead and buried after last season. I, I didn't see any way back and even more so when we failed to sign a left back to to give him a bit of a you know competition and a bit of a maybe a bit of incentive to to fight for his place. We didn't sign anyone, but he's he he spurred on anyway. So he's my pick. And Jardin, if if you are listening, 
Um, apologies again, but thanks for taking the advice and thanks for improving. <laughs> okay, um, I think I'll just add my opinion in here then um, this time. So I'm in agreement with you, Ben. I picked uh, Jordan Amavi for um, the most improved player and largely because of thinking about how poor he'd been in previous seasons. You know, he's really come back from the dead. You know, he. we know that when he was young, when he was at Nice, he was a very promising player. He looked a promising player initially at Aston Villa before he got um, injured. And when he first came to Marseille as well, um, in the first few, I think, six months, he was looking very good. Um, you know, there was talk about him getting in the France team and so on. I think he was called up, wasn't he, once? Um, and then he became catastrophic. Um, and so seeing him this season be pretty solid left back, you know, he still makes mistakes, you know, he still has issues with his positioning, I think, his positional awareness is poor at times, but this season he's been pretty solid for the most part and he's looked very good going forward as well, um, and his attitude has just really improved a lot, so so yeah, I'm going to pick up Abby. I think what stands out the most for me, for my memories of him now I'm thinking about it, is actually, you know, when, when the opposition gets around the, the right back or has a crossing opportunity and the ball goes into the box, I, I, I think I've seen him at least 10 times be the last man to, to cut the ball off in front of the, the striker and save that, that goal effectively. I think that's my key memory memories of him this season, is always being in the right position when a cross comes in from the other side to cut the ball out at the last minute. So finally then, it's Mo. Who did you think was the most improved player of the season? Um, yeah, and no, it has to be Amavi as well. Only because, um, I mean, a lot of players have improved, um, you know, Mandanda and Payet among them. Um, but just the level of improvement, just, you know, where they were like 12 months ago. And in Amavi's case, a lot of people not just wanted him out of the club, but sort of wanted him to find another career. Um, so, the fact that he's forgotten about our inability to sign a left back um, for for what like the fourth tra- fifth transfer window in a row um, is he's just been really 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 good. Like back in you know his first couple of months at OM, um, you know reflecting those times, he's, he's just been fantastic. I'm really surprised actually that all three of us um, picked him. Avi, I thought by me picking him, I was going to be kind of um, the odd one out here. Actually, when we put the poll out, the listeners voted uh, Duji Kaleta Char, sorry, um, which is the one that I thought most of you guys were going to pick. So he was overwhelmingly their, their listeners' pick. Uh, really? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit surprised because I everybody, and I mean everybody, hated Amavi last year. <laughs> you know, I don't think there was one Amavi supporter in the... I think people were probably yeah. just, just thinking who was the best player yeah. this season out of the bunch that we, we offered them, but... The thing is, with with Chaletta, I mean, I've, I said last year, um, you know, I, I wasn't part of the people that were, were slating him last year. I thought Garcia's management of him was poor, um, sort of threw him out of the deep end and he wasn't given sort of the time to, to sort of hone himself and then became a bit of a scapegoat. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I think this year for me, in my mind, it's just, you know, he's right to, you know, whatever wrongs he had last year, whereas Amara is just a complete transformation. Okay, right, agreed. So um, I think that we can all then agree that the Revenant is Jordan Amavi and it would be really great if we did have an actual award and Ben could present it to him and make up for the little (laughs) altercation in the past. That would be a sweet sight, wouldn't it? 
Right, so that leads us to number five, um, the Machu Picchu. Apologies for the name for that one. I was running at ideals, and that is the best game. So I'm going to pick Mo. Mo, who? What do you think was the best game of the season? Um, I think you're hard pressed to pass the Leon game, um, because I think all the ingredients were there. Um, you know, home stadium, full stadium. Um, Garcia rival, we won um, some beautiful goals, just a really good atmosphere, and everybody was very sort of um, in a celebratory mood um, afterwards. I thought that was you know amazing. I was I was there and it was just electric, um, you know, just a fantastic game. You know, nerve wracking, but also you know the fact that we were victorious. We had to come through sort of some sort of adversity because of Alvarez red card on the hour. Uh, Pite was reborn. You know, the defence looked amazing and we finally sort of stuck it to them. So for me, that is the the best, absolutely the best 90 minutes of the season for me. Hello? Sorry, I'm on oh. mute again. Ed, yeah, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm picking you, Ed. Who, who do you think, is, what do you think was the best game of the season? I think it's got to be against Leon. Um, you know, we haven't won against them for so long and to beat them at last and in such fashion was incredible. I think all of us went berserk that night, and I was not, and I was no exception. I think uh, to jump up and down so much watching such a great performance against a Leon team that tormented us for years was just so sweet. But I mean, honourable mention to go to the game against Bordeaux when we beat them three uh, one, also against Rans one nil. But for me, this was the one. This was a game that I will be watching for years upon years on end. Just unbelievable night and an unbelievable team performance by every single one of them that night. So for me, it's got to be a Wembley on. Okay, thank you. Um, ben, what about you? What was the best game of the season? Oh, the, the same. The, the, look, there were many games that I enjoyed. Um, Lyon, I think, for the atmosphere, yes. But I'm, I'm going to go... Just for the emotion, I'm going to I'm going to go controversial and go different. I'm going to go for Lille Marseille, where we we were absolutely fucking awful for 70 minutes. We were one nil down. We we could very easily have been two nil down just after half time, and then out of nowhere we pulled two goals out of the bag. Germain scored and made another, which was even more unrealistic. Um, and, and we pulled off one of our most famous wins of, of the last four four five years, let alone season. So. Yeah, I'm going to go with that game because I remember watching it with, with the, the crew in the bar and, and just the, the, the change in atmosphere and the change in everybody's faces after the, the first goal. But the, the second goal followed a couple of minutes later and it was just ecstasy. Nobody could quite believe what was happening. So I'm picking that game. Actually, you know, this one was quite hard and um, I tried my best really to to pick a different game. And I, you know, I thought about all the. There was a lot of dramatic games actually. So there was the Leon game. There was the game where we beat Ren one nothing with a late goal when Strutman came on from a sub and Ren were, um, I think, um, just behind us in the table and you know, at that point still as well. Um, the Leo game, as you mentioned, there was also the Brest game where we beat Brest two one where they equalised. It looked like we'd thrown away two points. Um, and then Radonich just come, you know, 
they knocked the ball forward and I think I turned my head away for a split second and missed the build up and I was like what the fuck what's happened um, yeah and he just fires this um, sensational goal in um, to win the match for us in the sort of final minutes of the game and then I also think as well like the two games against Nîmes actually were two games where the first one especially where we played some really good football you know some nice triangles and stuff um, it was probably the one game that season where I thought we were you know, really in full flow. Second game against Nîmes, we, you know, we seen Benedetto score that superb hat trick. It was a hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a hat trick. Um, so yeah, I think there was some good options, but as much as I wanted to choose something different, I, I looked back at the games again, and the Leon game just stands out. You can't, you can't ignore it. It was, it was the game, wasn't it? We hadn't beat them. For so many years, I think I may be wrong about this, but my memory thinks it was probably about 2016, 2015 or 2016 when Doric Daria became Roberto Carlos in the cup and came on as a sub and started skinning Leon um, when we beat them in extra time. That's the last time I remember us beating Leon. I think it was 3 2, was it? The final score 3 2, 3 1, 3 2, maybe. Um, so yeah, um, I think that was long overdue and it was great given that Garcia is at Leon. It just made it all so much more sweet. So the listeners agreed. They voted overwhelmingly for Marseille 2, Leon 1. So the game of the season, I think the Machu Picchu has got to be OM Leon. Okay. And that gives, brings us to number six, the golden boot. So the best goal... <laughs> Um, I'm going to pick Ben. Do you want to tell us what you think was the best goal? What was the golden boot? <sighs> There's been many. Um, I, I give a couple of honourable mentions to Sanson against Bordeaux at home because we were pressing high. I like the team attitude on that goal where we pressed them high from a goal kick, got the ball back and he fired a missile past the keeper. Um, another one is, is probably... Uh, yeah, Radonish's goal against Brest, the one you mentioned, because of the context, but also just just the technique to to curl it into the top corner, where he's, I think he'd only just come on the pitch a few minutes before. But my favourite was um, was Benedetto's second against Nîmes, where he um, he beats the offside trap and uh, and well, despite the new rules where you play on and the referee comes back to it if you are offside, a few other players may have stopped in their tracks or may have gotten lost concentration. But he he just carried the ball forward and then he, he just lifts it over the keeper with, with such flair. It's you know it's what you would expect from a, an Argentine striker. So that was my favourite one because it's I think it's been a long time since one of our, our number nines has scored a goal, a true striker's goal that had everything: the flair, the artistry, and and the concentration technique to pull that off. Okay, um, more. I'm going to pick you more. What do you think was the best goal? Um... The best goal for me, uh, I we have to put Radonjic against Brest because um, it was a, it was a fantastic goal, um, really good finish, but also the fact that obviously the timing of the game um, and the, you know, I think that was probably the best team performance offensively the whole the whole you know the whole season, um, and we really deserved and probably needed something to come out of that game and the fact that it came from. From the Brodonich, um with with a bit of artistry as well was was fantastic. Ed, what about you? What do you think was the best goal of the season? Uh, um, all all the goals that these two have mentioned have been fantastic, and I would personally 
agree that the Benedetto goal was a wonderful uh, piece of display, especially with the arrogance to chip the keeper. But for me, I know this may seem like another Radonich appreciation round for me, but his goal against Toulouse was fantastic. The technique was beautiful. The finish was sweet. And then the celebration afterwards was just class. For me, that was the goal that I just couldn't believe he would do such a thing, especially considering that, you know, you would conserve the, the ball and you would take your time and you'd waste it. He just did that against the, against the Toulouse defence, which was, frankly, awful. But to do it against that, the run of play and to see the whole stadium explode with euphoria, for me, that is the best goal of the season, hands down. Yeah, good mention, actually. I forgot about that goal. It's a good goal. Um, I put a poll out for this again. Um, well, I didn't put a poll out. I put a, a tweet out, and the only person that replied to it was me. So um, that was a bit sad, but I picked <laughs> the Brest goal. So, yeah, so I'm going to go for the Radonich goal against Brest. Um, just thinking that it was a spectacular goal and it was the drama um, with it. You know, it was just a great, a great finish. So, hang, hang on, are you are you counting your opinion as two votes because you were the only respondent? <laughs> and because it's is that what you're doing? No, but I was going to pick it anyway because it's the, it's the only. This is incredibly. This is this incredible bias, is this, Steph? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's ridiculous. Bring right, back I'm Lucas. just following the, the same format as other award ceremonies run in, in football, <laughs> you know. I'm just taking them inspiration from UEFA and FIFA. Um, right, so, no, I, but I think I'm more you picked to go as well, so I think that still it's the, you know, it's the number one choice, isn't it? It's been picked more than anyone any other goal, so I think we're going to have to say the Radonich goal against Brest is surely the goal of the season. Sorry, guys. No complaints, okay? So we'll move on. Number seven. We're nearly there, guys. The weakest link, also known as the Christian Jimenez Award, and that is the worst player of the season. Ooh, I think I'm going to have to go with you, Ben, just because um, you inspired the name of this one. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I think the, the logical answer is Sertich, but... I, I think I agreed with your subsequent analysis when I, when I said that in the group because I think you actually have to have played to be the weak link. Um, so I can't, I can't really... I don't think Sertic is an appropriate answer even though he, he's fully deserving of it. Um, it's a tough one, actually, because the, the, most of the team have performed very well. Um, but I think, again, when you look at the, the money he's on and the expectation and, and how many times he's whinged about him being ineffective and a waste of space on the right wing. I think I've got to go with Valère Germain. Um, and again, it's it's a shame because I don't dislike him. I like that he does put the effort in and in some games he has been great. Like the game away to Lille, he was he was great. He was always pressing the ball and, all, and he created chances and actually scored in that game. And he, he's got hard, but he's he, he just seems like a headless chicken at times. And it's very frustrating when... We're trying to break teams down. He's he's useless in that exercise because he's not got pace on the wing, and his positioning when he plays up front, he's never in the box. When there's a cross coming in, he, he just seems to drop too deep. So, I just don't think we've we've either found a system for him where it works for him, but it just it just hasn't worked for him at Marseille. Right, I'm surprised you changed because I was considering naming the award the Gregory Sertic Award as well. Okay, so Ed, what about you? Who do you think was the weakest link? Who was the worst player? 
Well, in a team full of stars, I would have to say Johan Pelé, because he was the man who conceded that dreadful first goal in. Was it against? Uh, who was the team we so played? Trilisic. 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 And it was a terrible decision to put him in goal in the first place. But I could say, yeah, Gregory Seretic might be a joint winner because he did start in that friendly against Stoke under 21. So you could put that in, but I'd have to say it was great. Johan Pelé from start to finish, just a shadow of his former self, I have to say. A real Bloody hell. Proper harsh. Proper harsh. Yes, it was a shadow of his former (laughs) self. It was dreadful. It was just dreadful sloppiness. You do not do that. At the start of a game, whether it's against PSG or against Trilisic, it was stupid. I think he saved them, but he's, he, we, we won the penalty <coughs> shootout, largely oh, down to him and He saved oh, the penalty he... after that in, in the oh, cup against oh. Lyon as well. He's been, I think he's, been, he's not been the worst one, surely. Oh, come on. I mean, even I could probably win in a penalty shootout against Trilisic. I mean, for God's sake. I'm interested to hear who you think is the worst player who was the weakest link who was our Christian Jimenez this season um, I think um, and you might be surprised by this I think it's Sakai um, I think he's had a very poor season um, he's, he's just not been as effective as he was um, well I think the the decline started obviously last year with, with Rudy Garcia, but that was obviously team wide. But I don't, I haven't seen like a, a, a superb performance from him. I think Saar has been, you know, very effective at right back um, still, and obviously given Torban's issues, has has performed admirably at um, um, you know on the right side of the front three. Um, and Sakai really has been used. Um, as put in a sort of a square peg in a circle hole or whatever the saying goes at left back, you know, when Amavi's not, not available. Um, and I just think, you know, hard work and determination and just being an all round nice guy only gets you so far. Um, and, it's, you know, especially now as we're going into Champions League football and um, we're going to be needing sort of quality, at least, you know, decent quality replacements to play in Europe. Um I don't think Sakai fits that bill anymore. Um, he's also getting a bit older, and and what you know, maybe he's missing that sort of understanding with Tovan, um, which was a key part of the, sort of our offensive play over the last year or two. Um, and also, I think maybe without Tovan, he's just been a bit sort of lost. Um, doesn't have that same understanding with players in front of him. Um, but I think he's just been the weak link since I've seen him play. He's made a few costly mistakes um, as well. His performance has been below average. Wow. Um, hmm. So, well, actually, I'm going to agree with you more, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to pick Hiroki Sakai. I really wanted to pick Bunasar, as you would all probably know. Um, but I knew that I couldn't realistically pick him and believe that he was the worst player because he wasn't the worst player. And actually, Sakai was less effective even um, throughout the season, so I agree with you more. Um, I'm actually really surprised that nobody did pick Gregory Sertic in the end. Um, somehow. No point. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. He didn't play any games, did he? So um, he didn't really. It doesn't really count. He's he wasn't really um, figuring. So yeah. So I think the worst player, the 
the weakest link, the Christian Jimenez, is our, I think he won our award last year for best player, if I'm not mistaken, is Hiroki Sakai. I think so, yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah. What, a, what a fall what a from grace, fall. yeah. Time to sell in the summer, perhaps. Um, okay, and that leaves us now with our final award. It's our the Basil Bowley Award, and that is our favourite moment of the season. Obviously named after our um, very fond um, memory of Basil Bowley's um, famous goal. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pick Mo. Mo, do you want to go first and tell us who, what you think was the best moment of the season? Oh, best moment of the season. Um, I think for me, it will be um, the aftermath of, of the Lille game um, in, in February. Um, only because also we'd come out of a very difficult sort of patch um where we played Bordeaux at the and we're gonna face uh Leon as well. Um and you know we we've been a bit tetchy um you know coming out of the Christmas period a little bit. I think we were still chaining wins the Ren win had, had got us but you know we we had been a little bit tetchy. I think that a drawing Bordeaux just sort of showed our frustrations and, and Lille had been sort of doing really well. Ren were also still doing very well and our eleven point sort of gap was slowly being um, eat it into um, and also going behind 1-0 and you know nothing to suggest that we were going to come back in that game it was absolutely a complete surprise and I think I, I speak for everyone was saying we were completely slagging off everybody um, in that game slagging off Alex Burris as well um, just being you know how could we sort of let this slip you know maybe also Mirage maybe you know we're gonna, this, this is the first step to sort of losing our position um, all that sort of stuff um, and then you know, German out of nowhere, Benedetta out of nowhere, quick fire turnaround, and then just kept Lille, who had, had a fantastic home record. You know, only PSG, Ajax, and Chelsea have been them at home this season by that point. And and to, to sort of you know, win, you know, take a very important three points again at, at, at the home of a rival. Um, and then obviously the whole stadium, you know, just cheering for OM out of nowhere. I thought that was just a very, very special moment. Yeah, really well explained. Um, okay, Ben, I'm going to go with you. Ben, what do you think? What was your favourite moment of the, the past season? I'm, I'm struggling a bit here because we've, we've discussed a few already. And I think I, I mentioned, yeah, the, the, the Lille game. Um, but yeah, I, I think, well... I'd love to have a, a moment, an OM moment to pick out, but I think my favourite moment is the absolute shock and surprise and following joy and expectation when Rudy Gasser joined Lyon, <laughs> because we we were just like, I was in disbelief that they would even consider him for a start, and then we we all had ninety ninety percent of us were certain that he was going to fuck up there, and, it, and he it's not failed to disappoint, so. Um, yeah, I think it's it's that moment, and and we're we're now all looking back to when he joined, and he said, "I promise, I will get OM into Champions League." He's he's finally succeeded. So, yep, I think that's that's got to be one for me. Yeah, good one, um, Ed. What about you? Can you top that one off? What was your favourite moment of the season? Well, it be it would be it wouldn't be right if I selected Mavi versus Ben, the fight of the summer. Uh, but for me. I think it's got to be that roar after the Lille game in the in the Mora, considering the fact that there were more OM fans in there, I think, than the Lille fans uh, that night. And to pull it off after a 2-1 win where 
I thought, oh god, here we go. We're going to lose to Leon. This is when the run is going to go crashing to earth, down to earth. To see those goals going in quick fire, to, to see the players so upbeat and so excited, like kids at Christmas. You know the roar afterwards. That, that it was like being at home. It was fantastic. It was for me the best moment of the season by far. It was just incredible. It was one of those games where you can look back on and you think, yeah, this is where it all just went to plan. And also, quick thanks to Rudy Garcia. You've uh, you've achieved your aim, mate, but uh, at the wrong club. We'll send the check over to Miss uh, John Michel. He could probably buy himself a few crates of beautiful pasties, which he can drink to to drown his sorrows at this unfortunate time. Okay, um, I'm actually going to say something that none of you have mentioned. Um, my sort of say most enjoyable moment, shall we say, um, of the season was Olas's meltdown after we beat them. Um, so he sort of um, went a bit crazy in, in, on Twitter and, 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 and sorry, in the press and and then I remember Leon as well, didn't they release a, a a statement as well about the defeat? About so they were complaining about the referees' decisions in the game. So yeah, I thought that's this was all great, you know. For once, we were on the other end of it, you know. Usually, we are the ones that feel that we've been hard done by in the big games, and it was great seeing Leon, you know, um, really wound up and. Mostly because we beat them more than anything, and the fact that they were really wound up that we beat them, that they they felt that decisions had gone against them in that game, and that they were stuck with Rudy Garcia, just topped it all off. So for me, that was just you know a really great you know um, turn of fortune, switch of the fortunes, and um, which again has kind of happened recently, I suppose, with the um, the league and season ending. He's kind of had another meltdown, but yeah, so I'm going to pick that one. However, um, I recognise that you guys have um, voted for something else. And I do remember that I did put a tweet out on our Twitter page about this. Um, and I think there was quite a few different suggestions um, from the listeners. So it was kind of hard to pick one, you know, people picking particular goals and stuff like that. So I think that we'll just agree with Mo and Ed and say that the, you know, the end of the, the post the aftermath of the Leo match is the moment of the season so that gets the Basil Bowley award and that is the end of our awards so thanks very much for that that was fun um, I, we do have another topic but I think we're kind of out of time to be honest guys we've, it's been quite a long pod and um, we were going to talk about the rumours about of the potential rumours of a sale and these kind of rumours you know, links with the Saudi um, Royal Al lead, but I don't think we've really got time to discuss it in today's show because it's potentially quite a big topic and we will have um, podcasts, I think, over the coming months where we'll look at the Mercato and stuff as well, so we maybe can 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 do a little piece on it next time. Um, I'll just quickly Sounds ask... Good. Yeah, I'll quickly ask you, um, maybe because the listeners will want will possibly want to know about this, one word um, about that about that rumour. Bullshit or something. Ben. Bullshit. Bollocks. Bollocks. Yeah. Ed. Rubbish. Absolute. Okay. Um and I heard more you said bullshit as well. So I mean I would yeah, say don't, that. Yeah, don't don't give it don't give it time. Don't give it the, 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 any space or time. 
Well, it has been. I think there's something that came out today anyway, um, saying that it's false. But um, I do think as well that that specific rumour is bullshit. But I, I do believe that there's something going on. And I do think that the club are going to hear in the next six months. I think that the club is up for sale. But we'll see. And I think we can sort of pick apart that topic more in the future as more and more rumours and, you know, and, and more and more strange happenings seem to be, you know, going on around the club but we'll leave it for there for now and just say thank you very much guys um for today's pod that was fun um so yeah thanks all, thanks very much for taking part yeah thank you and uh, thank you very much good, good job on the uh, good job on the award names they were great <laughs> very good yeah fantastic brilliant okay thank you everyone for listening good night here in series three bye everyone